Hi, family. Happy Father's Day. Fathers, we pray that you'll become all that God has called you to be. And we also pray that you will play your role in fighting against femicide and women abuse. The killing of women in our society is absolutely ludicrous and unacceptable. We thought it was the final one with Uyinene. We said enough is enough. And we still hear stories of women being brutally killed. It must stop. It must come to an end. Family, at the end of the service today, we'll be taking communion. And as we prepare to take communion together, we want to have a declaration that we need to restore our streets to be a place of safety and a place of peace. So prepare to have your communion elements to take communion with us at the end of the service. Someone said, and this was actually an African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We have started a nation-building sermon series about two weeks ago. And uh, last week, uh, Quentin spoke to us about the fact that there's work cut out for us. We've got work to do. And then I shared briefly along the lines of justice, racial reconciliation, and the five handles that we as Christians can work with in bringing change and transformation in our society. The first handle I mentioned is uh, we need to acknowledge and recognize that systemic racism still exists. And I also said we need to learn to listen, stay in the discomfort long enough until we can say enough is enough. The third handle is that we need to pray. We need to go on our knees and entreat heaven on our behalf for God's mercy. The uh, fourth handle was we need to love genuinely, show that we love and let us not just love with a smile, but love genuinely. And the fifth handle was take action. Let us take action. And we're going to continue a little bit on that, on how does it look like to take action today. So today we're speaking about closing the gaps in our society, the gaps that have been exposed by COVID-19 or by the lockdown. I'm sure you will agree with me that the COVID-19 crisis and the lockdown has exposed some of the gaps in our lives, in our societies, in our homes, and also in our families. I also want to emphasize the point that uh, our homes, our nation, and the world at large has been affected by this COVID-19, and it has exposed cracks in our lives. Our text today is based on the case study of Nehemiah, how he rose up, rebuilt the walls in order to close the gaps that left his people vulnerable. Instead of reading from chapter 1 of Nehemiah, we're going to focus on chapter 4 of Nehemiah. We know the story, the backdrop of the story is that Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king while he was in exile. And news came that the walls of Jerusalem have fallen down. And when he heard how people were devastated, how the state of his nation, the state of his people was, he arose and he cried out to God. He prayed and he said, God, things must change. Help us to change the situation of our people. 
and we know how God gave him favor. He went back uh, to Jerusalem and he inspected the walls. The Bible speaks about how he rose up in the middle of the night and he went around to inspect the walls and he asked for God to give him favor with the nobles, with the officials, with the priests, and with the people at large. And it was all hands on deck. The following day when he spoke to them about rebuilding the walls, they came together and they started building the walls. But I want to bring your attention to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7 to 9. In this text, we realize how Nehemiah, together with his people, faced some opposition and challenges as they were building the wall. So let's read from verse 7. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were, being, were beginning to be closed, they were very angry and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is falling. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us, 10 times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in the open places, I stationed the people by their clans and with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and I rose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, for your sons, for your daughters, for your wives, and for your homes. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Friends, from the scripture we've read, uh, verse 7, when you read it in the NLT, it says, When the enemies heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. When the enemies heard that the rebuilding of the walls was closing the gaps that left people vulnerable, the enemy was furious. The enemy will not be happy with us when we begin to take action and speak against the injustices of our nation, the injustices of our society, the injustices of the world at large. The enemy will not be happy, but he will not stop us. When you read verse 13 um, in the NLT, it says, So I, pl I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Nehemiah is saying that in the exposed areas, in the vulnerable areas, I placed guards so that while we're building and closing the gaps, we need to make sure that we're able to protect our people from what is happening. We are able to protect them from what the enemy is bringing our way. So God is calling us to rebuild the walls in order to close the gaps and to also protect exposed vulnerable areas in our society. God is calling us to rebuild the walls, to close the gaps, and that will end up protecting the vulnerable people in our society. We need to close the gaps and the breaches 
I'm reminded of the word that Pastor Steve Morrow shared with us uh, at the Rebuild Conference about the man who built his house on the rock and the man who built his house on sand. And he challenges to say that uh, we may say that our lives are built on the rock that is Jesus Christ, but it may be that certain parts of our lives are built on sand and they're sinking. So we need to introspect and say, are there parts of my lives that are not built on the rock that are sinking? And now the cracks are exposed. The gaps are exposed. And we need to close those gaps. What are the gaps that we need to close in our society? Two big gaps in society that have been exposed during this time of COVID-19 is this institutional racism that we've spoken about in the past. And also, the abuse of women. I want us to talk a little bit about these two things. Institutional racism, also known as systemic racism, is reflected in the disparities in different communities, the disparities of wealth, income, criminal justice system, employment, housing, healthcare, political power, economic power, and education. And this is according to Wikipedia. We may not be able to handle all of them today, but I want us to talk about the disparities that are caused by the socioeconomic issues that we have. I want us to look at the disparities that are in our education system, and I also want to see, look at the gaps that are in our families, and at the same time, speak about the scourge and the abuse against our women. So we need to close the gaps that are caused by socioeconomic disparities. We need to close the gaps that are caused by our education system. We need to close the gaps that are in our families. So the first gap that I want us to talk about is the economic disparities that we see in our society. The corona crisis has exposed this disparity between the highly paid executives and the low-income members of our society. An article in the Mining Review Africa on the 28th of April had this title, Will COVID-19 Crisis Close the Gap? Will COVID-19 Crisis Close the Wage Gap in Our Society? Hopkins points out, executives are likely, uh, are likely to be able to better weather significant reduction in their income than low earners who subsist from paycheck to paycheck. This is from the article. My question to us today is, why is this the case? South Africa is known to be the world's most unequal society. And this is because of institutional racism and the legacy of apartheid that we know very well. This is from the World Economic Database. Just to quote what they say and to give you a bit of statistics about our country, South Africa. Income inequality in South Africa has deepened. The top 1% of South African earners take home almost 20% of all the income. So the top 1% takes 20% of all income. While the top 10 take home 65% and the remaining 90%, they get only 35% of the total income. So of a population of about 60 million, 1% take home 20% of the total income. 10%, they take 65% of the total income. And the rest goes to 90% of the 
90%. Maybe a, a different way to look at it, a study by Stellenbosch University, uh, they exposed this, that 1% of South Africans own 67% of the country's wealth. 1% owns 67% of the country's wealth. And the top 10% owns 93% of the country's wealth. And the remaining 90% of South Africans own only 7% of the country's wealth. So I want to double click on this. 1% of the country's wealth owns 65, 67%. Of the entire country's wealth. Meaning that when we hear about families giving a billion rands to Solidarity Fund, we know it's the 1% that owns the big portion of our country. This unequal incomes are racialized, genderized, and spatialized. Spatialized meaning geographic regions of our country, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. Women still earn less than 30% than men, even when they do the same kind of work. Something is wrong with that picture. How can you be doing the same kind of work and earn 30% less than your counterpart? These are gaps and cracks in society that we need to address. We need to do something about them. It was Mahatma Gandhi who said, the true measure of any society can be found in how it treats its most vulnerable members. The true measure of any society is found in how we treat the vulnerable members of our society. Michelle Obama popularized the statement when she said, the measure of any society is how it treats its women and children. I feel like there's a, a judgment on our society today because of how we treat women in our society. This must change. As a church, we can be part of closing this economic disparities that we see in society. Let me just take you to Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Reading in the NLT, it says, And all believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their properties and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Operative word there is generosity, great joy and generosity. Deuteronomy 15 verse 4, it says, There will be no poor among you if only you will listen obediently to the voice of the Lord. Let me pause here for a little bit. The Bible is saying if we are to have in our midst a society in the body of Christ in the church that doesn't have the poor, it will come through us obeying the voice of the Lord, hearing the voice of God and obeying it. But also it will come through our generosity when we share with those that are in need. Remember the words of Jesus. He said that you will always have the poor among you, meaning that in society there will always be poor people. But in the church, in the body of Christ, we need to do all that we can to eradicate poverty. But how do we do that? Generosity. Let's just comment on two pictures. The one is uh, at a, at a, at a macro, micro level. At a micro level, we need to be generous. We need to look at the needs and meet the needs of the people. We need to look at ways we can be able to help those that I need, like we're doing with a crisis response team, like we're doing with the Havens ministry, our social responsibility ministry. Uh, 
But I also want to bring this whole aspect of Ubuntu economics. Ubuntu economics basically is about sharing with those who are in need. I cannot have while my neighbor doesn't have. How can I help from what I have? That's Ubuntu economics. We need to double-click on that. At, at a micro level, we need to be looking at ways we can support our SMMEs, our small, medium, and micro enterprises, because they have the keys to unlock the economy of a country. They are able to employ more people. We don't see big corporates employing people. If anything, they're retrenching people at the moment. So the opportunity is with the SMMEs. It was Bernard Swanepoel who said, set small businesses free and the results will shock South Africa. When we set the small businesses free, when we start to support them, when even uh, the policies of the country uh, remove the red tape and help them to succeed, we will see incredible things. I'm really encouraged by uh, the work that uh, Doreen Wrigley has been doing with the Marketplace uh, Forum. And this last week, he interviewed uh, the CEO of Sentech, uh, Butim Lamli, boy who is part of our church here, and dreaming and speaking about how we can uh, uh, help entrepreneurs and to succeed, to do well. And Dorian has been speaking about the Kingdom Investment Fund. I'm praying that we get to that place, that we can have a Kingdom Investment Fund to help SMEs succeed, that finances will not stop them from doing what God has called them to do. So we should be focusing our efforts on ensuring the maximum number of people have a job and earning a living wage. Making sure that every person, we know that when a person has a job and is able to provide for their families, it, it brings dignity. It helps them to feel like I'm contributing to society. The second gap I want to talk about is uh, closing the gap of education because God is calling us to rebuild the walls in order to close the wall, in order to close the gaps and protect exposed and vulnerable areas in our society. So talking about the gap of education, I want us to face the brutal facts in order to deal with the root causes. I was the first time in my family to go to university on my mother's side and on my dad's side. When I look at the many cousins I have on both sides, probably only two others were able to go to tertiary university, tertiary education. This is not to say that um, you cannot make it in life without a tertiary education. But this is to say that there's something wrong with that picture that still today only a few people are able to get tertiary education. I remember because of the inferiority of my education, I had to do a pre-bursary scheme, a bridging course that will help black people who did not have education to be able to study engineering. Even though I qualified to study engineering, but I needed a bridging course to help me to be able to get into engineering. We used to laugh because it was called PBS, and we called it uh, Poor Black Students. At the same time, we were grateful to be able to get university education. What is the root of this problem? Where did this come from? In 1945, the National Party, one of their politicians, J. N. LaRue, said this, We should not give the natives any education or any academic education. If we do, who is going to do the manual labor in our community? 
If we give them education, who is going to do manual labor in our community? Let's think about that a little bit. It was the youth of uh, June 16 in 1976 that arose and said, this is wrong and this must change. We read uh, from Soweto SRC, Student Representative Council, we shall reject the whole system of Bantu education whose aim is to reduce us mentally, physically into hewers of wood and drawers of water. We shall reject the whole system of Bantu education, saying something is wrong with this picture. And I'm grateful that we have seen the change. But the question is, what's the lay of the land in 2020? What is happening now in 2020? You know, COVID-19 has revealed some of the challenges we have with our education. Reuters recently ran an article, and in the article, they interviewed my daughter, Zinzi, and another girl growing up in Tembisa. And Zinzi, growing up in my home, was able to transition with ease to online education. I'm grateful that her school, they uh, spoke out and said, can you help the kids who are not able to um, get online and with data? And other parents who came around were able to help. On the other hand, Puti, who is in Tembisa, living in one room with her family, she was not able to go online. Even though Zinzi is in a state school, Puti is in a state school, because of where they are geographically located, there were serious gaps that were exposed. This is to say, our work is cut out. We've got to do something. We cannot always be looking to government. We need to rise up and say, enough is enough. Things must change. How do we close this gap? Find a student or two. Support them practically, emotionally, and financially. It boils down to generosity. How do we use our time, talents, and treasure to be a blessing to other people? Just as we read in Acts chapter 2. We have uh, Every Nation Scholarship Fund. You can speak to Kath uh, Land about it, or you can speak to Zen Mabaso about it. The reason we do that is because we want to rebuild the walls. We want to close the gaps. We want to be able to protect those who are vulnerable in our society. God is calling us to rebuild the walls, to close the gaps, to protect those who are vulnerable. The last point I want to bring is uh, close the gap in family. The corona crisis has exposed the strength of some marriages and the health of some families. If you had been building well, your marriage will survive. If you have not been building well, cracks will be exposed. And do not let a good crisis go to waste. Do not leave this crisis the same way you went into this crisis. My wife and I have been using this opportunity to just go deep in our marriage and to see how we're doing. There's a couple that we spoke to just leading up to the lockdown and they've had some challenges in their marriage and we did their wedding a few years ago. And at this point in time, they were at a point where they were considering separation. By God's providence, they actually were locked down together. They were still together. And while in lockdown, they worked through things. We had a few calls with them. We even uh, directed them to what some extra help to get some professional help. It was during the lockdown that they were able to renew their vows and they are going from strength to strength. Thus we say, do not let a good crisis go to waste. If your life, if your marriage is in crisis right now and the crisis and the cracks have been exposed by COVID-19, 
Use the opportunity to seek help. Go on your knees and pray for breakthrough. God will help you. Seek help. Go on your knees and trust God for breakthrough. As we begin to close, another ill in our society that we know very well has been exposed by corona crisis, and I've been mentioning it is femicide and violence against women and children. My heart breaks with how women are treated in our society. As I've mentioned before, Michelle Obama said, the measure of any society is how it treats women and children. Again, Michelle said, strong men don't need to put women down to make themselves feel powerful. Strong men don't need to put women down to make themselves feel powerful. So as men, let's rise up. And let's say enough is enough. This must stop. How do we do this? How do we close this gap? The first thing we must do is to teach a boy child how to treat girls and women. Just recently, my son took on a classmate who had a, a profile name that was degrading women on his Zoom profile. And I was blown away as a father that he did something about it. He was not quiet. This is what we must be doing as families. Train up our sons to treat women with dignity. The other thing that we can do is we need to train our children to understand the sanctity of marriage and covenantal love, how you should be treating each other in holy matrimony. As I close, Dennis Peacock said, we need to understand there's something called generational momentum. How do we build generational momentum? He speaks about three things. Victory over generational sins, higher educational levels, and a good savings culture. A good savings culture comes from the eradication of debt, good stewardship, and good management skills that are passed on generationally. So he's simply saying that we need to have ways that we leave a legacy for future generations to be able to build on from. Last week we spoke about how we, especially black Africans, have this generational trauma from the legacy of apartheid. And I want to challenge us today that we need to turn that generational trauma to generational momentum where we can leave good stewardship, victory over generational sins, and also how the next generation can run from the platform that we've created for them. A city without walls is not safe. A city without walls is not safe. We need to close these gaps. Let's turn generational trauma into generational momentum. As we pray, I'm reminded of uh, what Sia Colisi said, the captain of our rugby team, when they won the World Cup last year. This was his speech. We faced a lot of challenges as a team. We have so many problems in our country to have a team like this. We come from different backgrounds, different races, but we came together with one goal to achieve it, and I really hope we achieved it for South Africa. If we pull together and work together, we can achieve a lot. We can achieve anything if we work together. You remember he popularized the statement, Stronger Together. And in this church, we speak about being better together. We build together. So Nehemiah challenged the people and said in verse 14, And I looked and I rose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, 
Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, fight for your sisters, fight for your families, fight for your homes. Not only do we build, but we also fight in the spirit to see our streets repaired to what God wants them to be. Let us go and close the gaps. Family, today as we take communion on Father's Day, this is a scripture I want to pray over as we take communion. Isaiah 58 verse 12. And your ancient ruins shall be built. You shall raise up the old age foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell. The Bible says we will rebuild our society. We will be called repairer of breaches, those who close the gaps. And we will restore the streets for people to dwell in. So as we take communion, Lord, I pray that we will be repairer of breaches, that we will restore the broken walls of our society, that we will restore our streets to be a place of safety and peace, especially for our women and our children. As we take the bread, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, the body of Christ. Again, he took the cup. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the cup and he said, This is my blood of the new covenant for as long as you take it take it in remembrance of me the blood of Jesus thanks be to God for his body and his blood that was shed for us for the remission of our sins but also to rebuild societies God bless you thank you Pastor Sai for that powerful thought-provoking word as Seo Khaleesi said, stronger together. And now, church, you know, more than ever is a time for us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. If you have prayed the prayer of salvation, or really if you need prayer for anything, please contact us at the number below. We would love to pray with you. Don't miss our weekly sessions. We have every Thursday night, we have prayer meetings from 6 to 7 on Every Nation Rosebank, our YouTube page. And every Monday evening is our Marketplace Forum on Marketplace Every Nation YouTube channel. Don't miss this. It's going to be powerful. See you next week.